We're glad that you're here. We are going to continue in our series entitled Faith, Foolishness, and Vaccines. This is part three. It is also, as I've planned it anyway, the final message in the series this morning. And then uh, next week, we have a barbecue coming up. Barbecue after service, and we're going to have some fun in service. We're going to shorten the usual time of worship and the message and so forth. It's going to be a lot briefer, and um, we're going to have some fun with that. And, and then immediately following, we're going to slip outside onto the back patio here and have a barbecue. The food is being provided. I want you to invite your friends, your family, all of you, come on. Everybody who's been watching, unless you're out of state, even if you're 200 miles away, I want you to drive here now, okay? From wherever you are, I want you to come next Sunday and join us for the Sunday service and barbecue, okay? Nina's going to join me now for our question of the morning. You know how this works. We pose a question. It'll be on the screen. And then you text us your answers. Those of you in the sanctuary here, we can bring you the mic so that you can speak over it. Or you can text us your answers as well. Those in the live stream, all right, as soon as this question comes up and you have a chance to think about it a little bit, begin to text us at 720-878-3323, all right? Our question for this morning is, what steps have you taken during conflict that helped bring peace or even resolve? Okay. Does it what? count if you knock them out, the other person out? That would bring some peace that, and resolve. I don't know if it would resolve it, uh, <laughs> you know, for a long period of time. Just until they came to, you mean? Right, right. <laughs> Have you ever hit me? I don't think you've ever hit me. I don't think so. Like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> like but, that. <laughs> but like we've never really gotten nasty, nasty type of thing. Uh -uh. No. Thankfully. Yeah. We had some we had some some good arguments though. So. One night she, Is there any such yeah, thing as a good argument? One night we were laying in our oh, uh, no. this is like when we were real young, okay? And so we were laying oh, in bed. No. It was it was the old kind of water bed. No baffles, no, you know, it's just, just a one big, big bladder. Bladder. They called it, yeah, it water. was a waterbed bladder. Okay, and so we, we were going back and forth, and she was upset with me, and she sat up on her elbows, and then she looked at me with a frustrated face, and then she pushed on the waterbed several times with a real mean face, like, ooh, I'll show you. <laughs> it was just like the meanest thing she could think of. And if you know, if you know Nina at all, that's just, I mean, that's like the meanest thing that she can think of. I mean, you know, that, that was out of, out of the park. I can't remember if we broke up laughing after that or not. I, I'm, I'm certain we did. All right, the question this morning, what steps have you ever taken, what steps have you taken during conflict that helped bring peace or even resolve? Would you begin texting us? Okay, well, I have the first one. All right, great. <laughs> 720-878-8899, in case you're not uh, viewing the screen right now, maybe you're in your car or what have you, you can still text us, 720-878-3323. So Lisa says she could write paragraphs on this topic. <laughs> From all the conflicts, Matt, did you want right? to feed into that? Those are our worship leaders, you know. Work, <laughs> oh, she's talking work. about work. Oh, work, 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 huh? We're broken do you, people. Do you, do you have a favorite one or one that just kind of jumps into mind? What, was, what, 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 what? Okay, we're going to bring you the mic if you're in service so that your comments go out in the live broadcast. Stop and listen to the person that you're in conflict with. Stop and listen. Validate what they're saying. Okay. And... Um, Turn inwards and think about your part in the conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, Could we have a little more volume on her mic? <laughs> uh, Please. Resolve to have humility. Ooh. Wow, those are good. Wow. <laughs> those are good. She's been looking at my notes. That, that, recall, that, that requires a little bit of uh, self-discipline and uh, maturity in the midst of your brain is going and your emotions are going wild. Those right. are good things. Yeah. Did you have really something good. you wanted to add at this really point? Really good. <laughs> sure, then now Matt's going to give his side. Right, 
right? Just, even if you're, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I think just backing away from the situation, I mean, I'm not necessarily, we're not just talking about, you know, a quarrel between people who are married, um, but oftentimes something gets heated and just to back away and kind of take a, a, a larger perspective look at the whole situation. Yeah. Um, and, and wait, always wait to say things. Mm -hmm. um, if you say things right away, almost always that's a mistake. <laughs> wow, really good. Yeah, that's really good. Fran says, thank you, Lisa. You pretty much covered what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple more here. Uh, this person says, I have removed myself from the situation to avoid conflict. Walked away, avoided the situation. Uh -huh. Sometimes you can do that, and sometimes mm -hmm. that's the best. Uh, sometimes that's the best thing that we can do. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes the only thing that we can do, uh, unless it's going to turn ugly. You know, sometimes in like the Thanksgiving dinner thing it, with family, if everybody's willing, not ev not always is everybody willing. Just don't talk about the subject that bugs you both. You know that that you know you're going to have conflict. Talk about things that you can. Yeah. Agree on or that's a really important, yeah. I'm wondering uh, in terms of this walking away from it or <laughs> a, a avoidance, which I think is a, is a necessary step. Um, depending on the relationship, often you can't let that just stay like that, right? Right, right. Sometimes, you know, I think as many things, there's not one pat answer, yeah. You have to go for the, like the, like the thought of pick your battle. Mm. You know, there's kind of that, well, okay, look, I'm just going to let this one go. Yeah. I'm just going to drop it. I'm just going to shrug it off. I'm going to forgive or whatever goes into that. And because really this one is not that big a deal, I'd much yeah. rather have peace and, and not have to bring it up. And I think every marriage <laughs> wrestles with this, and especially this particular thing of picking your battle avoiding conflict, but in relationship, you've got to circle back around. You've got to talk about the things that are meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. You've got to be sure that you've communicated deeply, or pretty soon that thing's just going to go south, and it's going to turn into resentment. And then when you begin to resent your partner, you don't trust them anymore. You don't enjoy intimacy. You don't, you know, you, you lose the marriage. You know, sometimes way. when it's a really hard, I'm thinking back to some of our hardest years and how we were talked about very hard things to talk about so it was kind of like it was hard if you don't talk about it and it's a and it's hard if you do talk about mm -hmm. it right yeah. and we needed to talk about it even though it was painful mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. yeah. i have another person here um, pam says i've learned to accept that people have free will i can only control myself mm-hmm I try to walk in faith. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Pam. Really important. Yeah. Anybody yeah. else in here have something they want to add? And I'm looking back at Facebook. <clears throat> Anybody here have anything they want to add? Again, the question is, what steps have you taken during conflict that helped bring peace or even resolve? Aha, here's someone. <laughs> Someone's saying, were we talking about husbands and wives? No, not necessarily. <laughs> not, not necessarily. It could be conflict in any situation. Lisa's sure. was definitely work. <laughs> so says Matt. <laughs> and you'll, you'll understand better as I jump into the message here why I've brought conflict into focus as a, as a question this morning. You know, another really big thing we've learned and we still have to work at it, mm -hmm. is tone of voice. Mm. Seems like tone of voice conveys more than your actual words do. So you can say, okay, no problem. Or you can go, all right, no problem. <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, your tone of voice can give away that you really aren't with in agreement, but <clears throat> you just... Makes or breaks <clears throat> it, yeah. <laughs> what steps have you taken during conflict that helped bring peace or even resolve to an issue that you were in. I, I wonder if we could carry this forward out of marriage relationship or just the, the common human relationships into perhaps politics. Ooh, or, ah. Yeah. Been a lot of conflict over that. Or to a church situation that you may have had. Or vaccines. 
or vaccines. Huge topic. Huge discussion going on right now. You like what Pam said, you think it applies to all of that. Yeah, that's yeah. it really does. In fact, there, there's only one relationship on all, let everybody uh, tune in right now. There's only one relationship on the planet that God blesses um, the um, forcing compliance, if you will. When I say force, there's probably a better, better word, but, and, and that's parent-child. In a parent-child relationship, parents have the responsibility even to force compliance. Now, gosh, that's a whole teaching. I, I don't <laughs> want to stir up a pot. But yeah, don't stir up the pot. Yeah. That's a different subject. Yeah, it is a different subject. You don't want me to go there, do you? No, I don't. No, don't mm -mm. go there. Don't go there. At all? Not at all. All right. Too late. Too late. <laughs> Anybody else? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone in here? Okay, I am not seeing anything else. Nothing online. else? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But still, great talk. We can't wait to hear what you have to say about well, it. Well, let's go after it. All right. So this morning, we're going to talk about a life-giving way forward. A life-giving way forward. In, in part one, we talked about the average guy's faith. In part two, we talked about vaccines and personal freedom. All right, uh, I pulled this idea from part one. A walk with God is more about me leaning into the faithfulness of Jesus than my correct specific way of believing the Bible. And also this from, from part one, we shared these two scriptures, really important. So here's the definition of faith according to the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. We have confidence and access to God in Jesus in full assurance through his faithfulness. So my faithfulness is really his faithfulness. In Galatians chapter 2.20, I live within the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It isn't about me trying. It isn't about me exerting it's not about gaining a, a faith, um, a, a strength of faith where I can please God and receive and get from God. It's really far more about living in the moment and sitting down and resting in, not my faith, not my strength of faith, his faithfulness. From part two, week before last, we had a guest speaker in there last week, but week before last, part two, regarding vaccines and, and personal freedom, I brought up this idea. I don't view the virus or the vaccine as the work of Satan trying to destroy us. It's not the devil trying to strip us of our freedoms. I don't see it as the enemy stealing our way of life or the government overreaching in a grand conspiracy of control. I think to approach any conversation already with that religious overtone uh, defeats the purpose because what can I say? I mean if either of the supernatural God and or the devil, or both, which of course many do believe, many Christians hold to the fact that this entire pandemic has been the work of the devil, number one, and number two, that God has very definite ideas to keep us free from it and deliver us out of it. And of course, there's all varying degrees of levels of faith, and if you have enough faith, your faith will keep you strong, and uh, if, you, if you really are walking in faith, you wouldn't get vaccinated. Uh, to uh, other extremes of, of that. So it's, it's, but when we approach any conversation so resolute, so already determined and decided, well, this is of the devil, and he's just trying, this is a conspiracy of our government, and Satan trying to destroy us and so forth, it's like, all right, well, what really can I bring to that conversation? I can tell you I don't agree, but I'm not sure I can articulate an intelligent way forward if I'm steeped in that kind of position of a supernaturalness about this pandemic. So I, 
I, I, I personally really don't believe that the Bible specifically addresses the pandemic and our response to it specifically as a pandemic. I believe what the Bible addresses is my attitude. I believe the Bible addresses my posture, my attitude, the way I carry myself, what I tr am trusting, sitting in Christ, his faithfulness, and trusting God for through a very, very dark hour on the earth. I do know this. Many Christians have contracted the virus of hate, which is far worse than the pandemic at the present time. You know what, dear ones, everyone is not going to agree on our approach to either the subject of faith or the subject of the vaccines or this pandemic. And that that's okay, let's stop demonizing one another. I really believe that cruciform love trumps personal freedom. Let me explain. You see, I believe what the scripture says when Paul said, you are called to freedom. However, he added to that, you are called to freedom. However, don't use your freedom as a means to please your flesh, your selfishness. That's what Paul said. So when we exalt even personal freedom, which I completely believe in, I believe it's wrong for the state to mandate behavior, including getting vaccinated. But if our argument is based purely around personal freedoms, remember, Paul said, Christ has set you free, but not as an avenue for you to indulge yourself in your flesh, in your ego, and the like. Cruciform love trumps personal freedom. And and here's, a, here's another scripture that Paul gave us, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others who are with weak conscience to stumble. Many good examples of that. As we talk now about a positive way forward in the midst of questioning faith and what is good faith what's a strong faith what should be our position in the pandemic how do we treat others who don't believe the way that we do we must deal with the satan now i just brought up the devil and satan and so forth and told you my personal position about that supernatural element in relationship to the pandemic and the virus, or excuse me, the vaccine. But now, I'm not talking about Satan, the supernatural evil being. I'm talking about the Satan. And I'm specifically pronouncing it that way because that's the idea in the Hebrew. The Satan, which has nothing to do with a supernatural evil being, but rather our ego. Egocentric living will kill communications. Egocentric living will kill your relationships. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, we have one of the most profound texts, I believe, exposing this egocentric, the Satan in Hebrew, idea of the human makeup. I'll start in verse 53. But the people of, let me give you some quick background. So Jesus is getting ready to travel and hold some crusades. And in his journey, he's planning on going through Samaria. Now, the Jewish people hated the Samaritans and vice versa. They hated each other. And they avoided each other at all cost. But here, Jesus is getting ready to do some travel and to do some teaching. And he sends out a delegation to go out and prepare the way and prepare the trip. In the process of that, his disciples have an experience with the Samaritans that we're going to read about right now. You ready? Verse 53. 
But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because, everybody say because, because he was on his way to Jerusalem. So when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? But Jesus turned and he rebuked them. Somebody said universal, the, there is a universal addiction that every human being has. Our own way of thinking. You see, the Samaritans were jealous that Jesus was not going to come and do his work in their temple because Samaria had a temple also just like Jerusalem did. And the Samaritans were all about their temple just like the Jews were all about their temple in Jerusalem. And Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. He wasn't going to conduct temple services in Samaria. And the Samaritans knew this and they were jealous and they believed that their form, their beliefs, and their practice was right. And likewise, the Jews had claim to the traditional, biblical, scriptural beliefs. I mean, after all, they, 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 they had claim to the house of God. They had claim to the presence of God, God's laws. I mean, where else would Jesus come but to the place where you know, you've got all that going on. And the Samaritans couldn't claim that. They didn't have the house of God. That's not where it was set up in Samaria. They couldn't claim to have the presence of God that the ark brought in through, their, through the historical record. So the Samaritans responded with offense and rejection and isolation. Have you ever felt that when you got hurt? Have you ever felt those feelings when you became offended that you were being bypassed? Have you ever had those feelings when you thought that maybe somebody else, even in a church relationship, got a blessing that you didn't get? And in verse 54, Jesus, Jesus' own disciples, all right, you would think they knew his heart, they had been part of his teaching, they had listened to him, walked with him, his presence was upon them, not any different than what we would expect in attending church today, right? His disciples responded with, come on, let's torch him. <laughs> let's torch him, let's destroy him. Judgment, self-righteousness, certitude. I mean, after all, the scripture is inerrant. Control, right believing, promises that promise absolute results. That was his disciples. And of course, a good dose of wrath from God. This is how God punishes those who reject him, dismiss him, and ignore him. Right? Let's torch him, Lord. They've dismissed you. They didn't welcome you. No, they were offended. They had a different idea of how to do it. They had a different idea of how to handle worship than his disciples did. But Jesus turned, you can, uh, listen to me, this cannot be minimized. In verse 55, Jesus turned to his disciples and rebuked them. Now, as I imagine it, this was not just a, 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 a little, come on, guys. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't do that. Come on, guys. You, you should act better. You should know better than that. That's how, that's how we rebuke our children sometimes, when they need a good, stern rebuke. I believe he turned to them, and with the most stern rebuke that he could muster, he rebuked them and put them in their place, challenging their being filled with wrath, their certitude, their believing that promises promise absolute results in every situation with everybody. 
their self-righteousness, their judgmental attitude. You know, our mind doesn't search for truth. It searches for control. I'm going to sit there for a minute. Your mind doesn't search for truth. Your mind searches for control. And boy, if my theology lends itself to wrath and judgmentalism and certitude, woo, now I really feel like I'm right. I can be right about the pandemic and right about the vaccines and right about my position at work and right about the way I treat you and right in my marriage and right about that purchase and right about... And it becomes all about being right. And where does all of that stem from? How many of you remember the Garden of Eden and two people called Adam and Eve? And they're making their way through the garden and Eve separates a little bit of a distance and all of a sudden finds herself talking to a serpent. And the serpent tells her in effect, you're not complete. There's something that God left out that he knows if you'll just eat of this fruit, you will become like him. And you know how the, the story unfolds. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, don't take of it. Why? Because he never wanted you and me to operate out of a knowledge of what is good and what is evil, what is right, what is wrong. That person's okay, this person's not okay. That thing's good, that thing's bad. That decision was right, that decision was wrong. He doesn't want us living out of that tree. The knowledge of, now look, it is not the knowledge of evil. It is not the tree of the knowledge of bad or evil. It's the tree of the knowledge of good also. God doesn't want you operating out of this judgmental lifestyle of comparing what is right and what is wrong. He alone is judge. If we are going to make positive steps, take positive steps towards positive communication that resolve things, if we're going to find a life-giving way forward, we've got to stop living out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because there's two things that that tree majors on if you eat its fruit. Looking for control and looking to judge someone else. Immediately, their worldview changed in a flash as they ate. Immediately, they became entitled. Now, this is a worldview that we struggle with today, and it's been here since the, quote, fall of Adam. They became entitled. What do I mean? I deserve this. I have a right to that. I've earned this. I don't have it. I'm going to get it. And it's not I'm complete. It's I'm incomplete. I don't have. I'm not enough. I need more. And so I'm going to control you and challenge you in order to get what I want if you don't like my decisions or the way that I choose to live. And you know what? With this kind of worldview that's a result of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, happiness is always over there. It's always related to somebody else or to something else. Now, I know none of you have ever felt that never wrestled with that, maybe just the live stream audience. Huh? How about you this morning? Have you wrestled with the fact that everything in your life seems to be reaching and trying to get something from somebody that's over there? And now you've adopted a, a, a worldview of being a victim. I'm not enough, just like Eve. The Lord knows that if you eat of this fruit, that you'll become like him, knowing good from evil. You're not enough. You're not sufficient in yourself. You need something more. Or we can refuse to eat, and like the Christ, Jesus, 
we can have another worldview. And what's that worldview? A view of abundance, a sense of completeness. I have all that I need. I'm already okay. I'm complete. Did you know, and I I love this in, in listening to Richard Rohr, all spiritual knowledge is recognition, not cognition. You already are. I'm like a spiritual midwife. All I can do is awaken the reality of God's love and truth and goodness and kindness and patience and meekness and long-suffering. All I can do is awaken that in you. You already have it. You don't need it, and you don't need to rely on somebody else to get it. And oh, by the way, when life, when the world, when the system, when whatever it is, when nature hands us a pandemic, and then our government, in doing the best they can to save as many lives as they can, issues the decisions that they issue, I'm not going to get all bent out of shape about it. Why? Because regardless of what's going on in our country, regardless of what's going on educationally, or even with science, regardless of what's going on in the world around me, or even with you sitting here right now, regardless, I am. I am complete. I'm sufficient. I already have. You are not the source of my happiness. Say it. (laughs) Oh, but I want to be. I want to make you happy. No. I'm going to do a lot of things in the hundred years that I have. My mom lived to be 100. I'm going to at least live to 100. I'm going to do a lot of things in 100 years that don't make you happy and that give you reason to reach outside of yourself and want to correct and want to control and want to hold on to it and want to change it and want to be wrathful and want to self-judge and want to judge others and all sorts of things that happen in our life, be it a pandemic or be it your situation at work or be it your marriage relationship or be it a child that's gone down a wrong path or whatever you might bring up. There are always opportunities for you to bite the apple, if you will. Now, it wasn't necessarily an apple. We don't know. It's called a fruit, the fruit of the tree. Are you going to take that worldview? Are you going to accept the worldview of entitlement and that you don't, you're not enough, that you are not? Or are you going to live in a attitude of abundance where you already are. I'm already okay. I already have. I'm complete. And everything I do listen to, everything I do read, I'm not getting cognition. It's recognition. It's awakening things in me that are already there because I am one in Jesus Christ. And this is how Nina and I have kept our marriage together. This is how Nina and I have been approaching the pandemic and the vaccine and our church having gone through its most most difficult hour. Why? At some point, you've got to let all the rest of that go. Quit demonizing others. Quit reaching outside yourself for someone else to make it okay. And settle within yourself that it's Christ's Christ's faithfulness. And that my worldview is going to be one of abundance. We can't be addicted to form. We can't have a preoccupation with ritual or practices or beliefs or dogma. We've got to be centered on the indwelling presence of Christ that draws us 
in a hunger. It's a passion. It's not a hunger as in I don't have and need to get. It's a passion for Christ. It's a passion for the things of God. Let me ask you something this morning. I'm going to put this on the screen for you. Do you want to be right or do you want to be redemptive and self-giving? Is your goal to be morally correct, biblically spot on, or to be loving? So what's our way forward? Well, let me tell you a quick story here because there's another instance of Jesus going through the countryside, making his way to Jerusalem, but this time he's traveling with a smaller group. He's not putting on any big crusades and he chooses to go through the outskirts of Samaria. And he stops because he's hungry and he's grown weak, the Bible says. He's tired and needs to rest. I know this is on the outskirts because it says that his disciples leave him there where they stop and they go, quote, into town. Are you with me? So Jesus has been traveling. They've obviously been walking a long way. Jesus is tired. They stop on the outskirts of town. They're headed to Jerusalem, but right now they're on the outskirts of town around Samaria, and they stop at a well. It's called Jacob's Well. They leave, his disciples go into town, And Jesus is sitting at Jacob's well alone. (laughs) And here we have unfolding for us the most beautiful story of how Jesus approaches conflict. How Jesus deals with a life-giving way forward. And we're going to pick up this story In verse 21 of John's Gospel, chapter 4, let's look together. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Remember our previous text and our comments about The temple in Samaria versus the temple in Jerusalem. He's pointing that out. He knows that's an issue for every Samaritan. He knows that's a a point of, 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 of wrath and judgment and context. He knows they have issues over that. How we worship. What constitutes strong faith? Do you have enough faith to not take the vaccine? Do you have enough faith to get the vaccine? Do you have enough faith? And he says, look, woman, I just love this. Believe me, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem, verse 22, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. Now, he's, he's being religious. He's being somewhat facetious in his text here, in his comments, saying the standard line of Phariseeism. We know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But... The time is coming indeed. It's here now. (laughs) You're looking at him. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit. Oh my goodness. Dear ones, let me tell you that the way forward in any conflict is to realize that the majority of what you're going at it and disagreeing about doesn't really matter. Kindness and love 
in community is what really matters. Not your agreement, not your judgment, not your approval of every decision somebody else makes. Oh, you're not listening to me. Jesus wasn't about tribes. Jesus wasn't about crowds. I'm going to give you five things that Jesus did as steps with this woman that found her leaving this conversation, going and telling the entire town of Samaria about what she just experienced, and a revival broke out, and the scripture records in John's Gospel chapter 4 that many, many believed on Jesus, got healed and delivered and set free from this one woman who became one of the first evangelists because Jesus refused to live out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he lived out of the tree of life. Here's the five steps. Number one, he seized opportunity for discussion. Now, you have to understand, number one, Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Number two, you would never find a man back in that culture talking with a woman alone, and the woman would be headdressed. She was not. She was a Samaritan. They didn't observe those rituals. So here's Jesus, a priest, a rabbi, a holy teacher, alone with a woman, strikes up a conversation, and she's a Samaritan. Sometimes you've got to walk across the room, folks, and just introduce yourself and be loving and be kind just like God would because you already are. You already have everything you need to enter that kind of conversation in that way. Number two, he displayed openness. He talked with the woman about what she wanted to talk about. She's the one that brought up the subject of religious worship, not Jesus. Are you open to listen to other people's ideas? Are you open to listen to other people's thoughts about something you already feel quite strongly about? Are you willing to engage other people? Even though you're not being asked in the conversation, or by anyone, because remember, you are enough. You live out of the tree of life, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so your worldview is abundance, right? Not I don't have, I'm not enough. So because you're rested in him and his faithfulness, then you're willing to discuss and enter into the conversation in any way you need to, to show yourself loving and supportive and a listener because it doesn't matter. It's not about right and wrong. It's about relationship. It's about showing yourself loving and kind. He displayed openness. Number three. He displayed humility. Now, my lovely daughter over here, I don't know how she read my notes, but when she responded to our question for this morning, she read off about three of these things. Just, oh yeah, this is this what you do in conflict. And she used the term humility. Oh, it's the one I think that, I know for me, I have lacked this one the most. And I think because it was important for me to be right. It's part of my makeup. And then also, I subscribed to a type of religious practice and form and ritual and belief system where, well, bless God, if the Bible says it, then I believe it. And that settles it. I was so ignorant. <laughs> I've been so ignorant. And so it was all about being right, not about being loving. And if that's how you enter a conversation or a conflict, it's messed up. 
It's not going to work. Number four, relinquish the preoccupation with certitude and control. Both of those come from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Certitude and control don't come from the tree of life. They come from the tree of law, of knowledge of good and evil, where you're constantly judging others for what they've chosen. And so you've got to relinquish that. Jesus relinquished that. He pointed out, he shared, he directed her attention. But he wasn't going to get in an argument with her. And finally, number five, focus on a life-giving spirit instead of a law-centered correctness. That's how we have to approach every conversation, every communication, every relationship. It's not about me being right. Oh, and by the way, I've had such a fun time over the past number of years sharing God's love and sharing even the person of Christ with people who have not yet chosen to follow him and not even brought up the Bible. No Roman road, no Philippians way, no four spiritual laws, no chick tracks condemning them, showing them they're going to hell. You need to accept my Jesus. You need to change your lifestyle. I found myself operating more in the spirit of the great apostle Paul who said, for God so loved the world, excuse me, Jesus said that. <clears throat> I'm reading, thinking John 3.16. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's where I start. And see, I realize now, in every conversation, even if it's a conflict, my purpose in that conversation is to come alongside someone else and raise the water level of the activity of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Not to be right not to bring things to a conclusion, not to be certain about everything. And that includes personal freedom and vaccines. Let's let this play out. Let's give it some breathing room. Paul wrote regarding the nature of Jesus, Colossians chapter three and verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and, and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, Pastor, I, I thought you said we've already got all of that. We do. But you know what? Just like a cold winter day or today, many times I preach without a jacket and just a casual shirt. But today, I felt like I should just put on a, a jacket. And I clothed myself. It's already mine. It belongs to me. But there's something about being in that jacket that reminds me. See? And so Paul says, look, all of these traits, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, they're already in you. So just clothe yourself in every conversation, in every conflict, clothe yourself. Richard Rohr said this, and I quote, we already know this law of compassion because it is written on our hearts. We contradict our own good common sense when we seek ritual purity or any kind of moral superiority instead of loving who and what is right in front of us. Yes, wow. You know what, I know that many of us this morning might be reaching and stressing and striving to be more compassionate and kind, to let go of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we're struggling within ourselves internally because we don't know who we are in Christ. May I end with this? There is one who believes in you more than you believe in yourself. There is one who loves you more than you love yourself. 
And there's one who knows you more than you know yourself. Relax. Relax in who he is, in his faithfulness. The spirit of God is in you. You already are. You live from a place of abundance, not entitlement and not need. And so in every conflict, our way forward is to be like Jesus. Go towards the discussion. Be open. Have humility. Relinquish the certitude and the control. And be a life-giving spirit instead of a need to correct. And I believe that in that attitude, God will help us with our faith. He'll protect us from our foolishness. And he'll even give us, oh, a pretty good idea of the right decision for whether you should be vaccinated or not. We're going to pray in just a moment. Nina's going to come. So um, if you do have prayer requests, please text me at 720-878-3323. We'll have just a minute or two and we'll be praying. So that's 720-878-3323. If you have any prayer requests, we'd be happy to pray for you right here and now. Um, a couple of announcements. First of all, if you... Um, believe that Genesis is a place that is providing spiritual nourishment. We appreciate your support, your tithes if you're a member of the church here, your offerings if you are not. And you can text to give at 720-8, pardon me, 720-730-8510 if you'd like. Or you can go to our website and you can donate there. If you're here in the sanctuary, we have a basket in the back with offering envelopes back there, and you're welcome to give in that manner. Hey, we have a couple of, we have a special thing coming up here in just two weeks, October 17th. David Stearman is going to be our guest speaker that day. We've known David a lot of years. He writes music and sings, and he will do that. He won't write the music that morning, but he will sing that morning for us. And he's just this great storyteller. He just has Amazing. a real way about him that's just kind of um, just enjoyable. Just mm -hmm. enjoy. It's low-key and enjoyable. And uh, then, of course, he'll give us uh, a message as well. We're excited to have him. So that's Sunday, October 17th, so be sure and... Come on out and meet him if you'd like, or be on live stream. Of course, we'll have him that way as well. And I have a second announcement. A good friend of ours, Terry Stutzman, is a part of the Christian Motorcyclists Association, and he asked if we would announce this. There's going to be a fundraiser on Saturday, October 16th. I know you, we don't have a slide for it. I know you can't remember all these details. I'll put it out by email, but just to give you a heads up, it's a pasta dinner. It's in Brighton. Uh, the monies will go to uh, an out, uh, a Biker Sunday outreach that they're going to have. They're going to have rigatoni and salad and garlic bread and brownies and yum. So that sounds really great. And you might want to partake in that, bring some friends out for the pasta dinner fundraiser that will be held in Brighton. Again, all details I'll put in an email because I know you can't possibly recall all of those right now. But I wanted to make you aware. All right. I think that brings us to a time of prayer. Let all me right. Just... While you're checking the messages... Mm -hmm. Jeff, could we please put up the announcement about David full screen? It's, um, I would like people to be able to read that information. And let's leave it up for a moment as Nina's uh, going about her prayer time, getting ready for prayer time. So this morning as we come to prayer, we had some prayer requests. I don't see any new ones here being sent to me. We've had some prayer requests during this past week that I would like us all to pray for this morning. There, um, the Rojases, who are part of our church, uh, have a friend, Cecilia, and her family are the people who uh, were involved in the um, shooting in Broomfield last week. 
it was her cousin, cousins who were shot, and one died. And I haven't heard about the other two at this point. I know they were in the hospital. So we want to pray for that family. Also, we want to, a friend of one of our church members, Annika, has health issues. Um, I'm going to not name who these next two are because of the sensitivity of the problem, but I spoke to someone this week who asked us to please pray because they're concerned about a gambling addiction that they're dealing with Mm. and someone else who's got mental struggles which results in in a drug addiction. And we want to pray for them as well. Okay, and the Lord knows who they are. Amen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Father, you know, I just, I know that when I'm in need, how much I appreciate being held up and supported. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to support someone, to grab them by the arm and say, I'm here with you. Yeah. And, and, and through prayer, and there other ways as well, but through prayer, I'm here with you. You don't have to figure this all out. You don't have to pray it all through by yourself. As a matter of fact, maybe mentally you can't even think about prayer, but I'll pray for you. And so we pray for these people this morning, and we hold them up in our prayers for Cecilia and her family, Lord, as they deal with this tragic and horrible situation that's got to have many repercussions. And Lord Jesus, we ask you for your help and your comfort and your way through this. And Father, we ask you to, to, to do something miraculous in, them, in their lives and, and help them to find peace again, Lord Jesus, Uh, as they process through this. For Annika, Lord, pray for her healing. We thank you, Jesus, for bringing answers to those health situations. Wherever she's worried and afraid, we pray for peace of mind and that she could trust in you about it. Father, for the person with the gambling addiction and the person with the drug addiction, oh, Lord, set them free. I know that you have set them free, but, Father, help them to find their way to that freedom. Help them to get really and truly free from these things, Father, to find the right help that would help do what needs to be done. There's, there's different components to that, I know. And, I, and, I, and Father, you know just how to untangle this web in their life and to see them truly set free and live a fruitful and, and healthy life. And we thank you for your help for all of these people we've named. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's, with a message in a series like this, there's a lot of ideas and feelings that go through our mind and that we have in our our body and our being with a message that challenges us the way that this series and this message in particular today has. And you might just be feeling like I'm, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not, I, I'm not sure how to handle the emotions that I'm having. I want to pray. I want to pray for you right now, especially those of you that are watching by live stream. And could we do this? Could we just take our hands and put them together just as a point of contact? But I want you to visualize and imagine that one of those hands is mine just as an act of faith. I'm grabbing your hand right now, all right? Jesus, I'm asking you to move by your Holy Spirit in the life of each person listening to us that's watching by live stream or listening to this over the next hours and days. We need you. We're often broken and overwhelmed with emotions we don't understand and that we wrestle with Pastor said we're more than enough and we already are and we have it all, but I sure don't feel that way. Holy Spirit, would you break through that right now for my friend? Would you break through that malaise? Would you break through that disappointment? Break through that anger? Break through those jealousies? Holy Spirit, right now, heal the heart of my friend. Jesus, manifest yourself in a whole new way right now to my friends. 
and bring them into a new hour and a new way of seeing you and a new enjoyment living out of the tree of life. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We have used, since the beginning of the year, a special set of prayers. There are three that the Holy Spirit gave to us that we really didn't have any way of knowing how special they would turn out to be and how poignant they would be uh, with the things that we would be teaching and that God would place on our heart. Jeff, I want to go to the second one. And uh, let's all, it'll be on the screen here, would you in the live stream audience as well as all of our congregants, would you pray this with us aloud now? Let's do that and we'll close our service. Make us less certain about the things of which we are certain and more open we do not yet see. Amen. Well, thank you, honey. Good service. Thank you, dear. Good, yeah, good service, dear. Good, good sermon. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. Hey, we love you guys. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, go Broncos, okay? Go Broncos. Let's, let's just kill them. Kill them, Broncos. Wait, what and, is that? Oh, is no, that is that not, that's no not killing. Oh, okay. Well, no killing. Crush them. Give them heaven. <laughs> give them heaven. And we'll see you next week, everybody. God bless.